Section 43 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. Section 43. Exit the Hunter. Part 3. Killing Tigers and Apes. I have just been invited to invest in an electric apparatus to be installed upon the tree one sits in when waiting over a kill for the return of the tiger. The difficulty at present is to see to shoot in the dark, and this invention enables you to press a button and flood the place with electric light. If then you are moderately quick, you can shoot the beast while he is blinking at the light as easily as if it were day. You are as safe in the tree as in a bedroom and very nearly as comfortable on your platform. You can sleep there all night, four nights out of five at the least, when nothing happens. When the great night comes, that is to say, when the tiger comes, even then you need not lose more sleep than most passengers do in a sleeping carriage on a railway. The swing of the tree in the breeze and the rustling of the leaves make your platform a superlatively soothing bed and as you lie back and look up at the drifting clouds and the moon or the stars you can feel you have the excitements of savage life combined with all the comforts of charing cross for at your side is a good fellow willing for a consideration to keep watch for the tiger better than you possibly could and to watch you too and take care that in waiting you do not roll over on your back and snore and finally wake you when it comes what a dramatic whisper it is in your ear. Tiger come, tiger come. Nothing in any theater can equal it. Do not be in too big a hurry to fire. There is no need to hurry if you take care to make no noise at all, and it is well to take time to waken thoroughly, so as to aim your best. If then you fire and kill, you are contented for an hour or two. There might then even be a little danger for you, if you have made a bargain with the devil like Faust's, see Goethe's text, scene four. If e'er you find me quite content, and biding time stand still, to hell you then can have me sent, and bind me as you will. But even in that case, the danger would be momentary. Another, and another, you would want, and the devil himself could not provide them. At any rate in Burma, where the many ineffectual days and nights become intolerable unless you have something else to do as well. Accordingly, it is the forest officers, whose work is in the woods, who can hunt to most advantage. There was one I knew who killed many scores of tigers, mostly by sitting up over a kill, in the manner described. I doubt if he knew the exact figure himself. It must have been over a hundred. Besides the tigers... The same man killed perhaps every kind of wild beast in the Burman forests, except only the big ape. Here, it may be noted, for the information of those who deny the existence of that animal on the continent, that the writer knew a Mr. Bruce, deputy conservator of forests, and a completely credible man, who found his camp followers attacked by a big ape. To save human life, he shot it, and on laying out the corpse he found it little smaller than the orangutan. This was in the upper Chindwin, in the north of Burma, and the villagers, who professed to know it well, called it the wild man of the woods, 
which is what orangutan means in the malay language i would have done something else said the man of many trophies to me i would not have shot the big ape at least not within many years past i once did shoot a monkey in a tree i used small shot that lacerated its bowels the poor little bee sat on the bough and held its protruding entrails in its hand and looked at me i felt as if it was asking me why did you do that i swore i'd never kill a monkey again and never did and never will this reminds one of the common report which one would like to believe that a great man of science is occasionally haunted by the ghosts of the apes he has slain the generous man is prone to remorse but it is vain you can't cure the wounds your arrow has made by merely unbending your bow what most needs to be told however for it is least suspected is that with modern weapons and a little skill and nerve the hunter never has to face much danger even accidents are rare and mostly avoidable there is little to fear except monotony and malaria and green mosquito nets have long been available for hunters to diminish the malaria how to diminish the monotony is a problem that remains unsolved in india there is less of it i mean of the monotony the patchiness of the forest makes the killing of cats more expeditious in india than in burma the poor laborers who beat have a little involuntary excitement there is some real danger for them but for nobody else the potentates aloft on elephants or other elevations waiting to pull triggers which is their function are as safe as if they were on the bridge of a battleship bombarding whales the ladies could do it equally well or the ladies maids the expense is multiplied a hundred or a thousand times to increase the amusement and that is the fashionable indian tiger hunting it differs from ordinary hunting as the spanish bull-ring differs from the slaughter-house but as there is room for thousands to sit in safety round the spanish circus and a display of courage and agility by the leading actors a spaniard might reasonably argue that his sort of sport was superior in every way it certainly does supply more fun for the money End of section forty three recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona